0: like I was actually just reflecting on it this morning um the time that, like when this all came about was we were out here on a Saturday setting up for our very first um church service out here and we're getting everything ready and Lulu popped in and um we were just having the chat up the back and she joked about um me moving in with them and Brad overheard this conversation then we had a conversation in the car park and he's like well you know that was a passing comment but you know maybe it's a thing and can we pray about this and I was like crapping myself in the car park I was like it's really what you're asking me to do Jesus and because I was really scared of vulnerability and I knew that I couldn't hide in this home um but that has been like it's not yeah it's been the most freeing experience not hiding anymore and not um yeah being welcomed into a safe home and being supported in yeah that journey so yeah
1: so what what kinds of things have you come to value I mean you talk about vulnerability I guess what kinds of things have you come to value in doing life together with Bradley? as far as like practically like what does that look like I mean it's it sounds really pretty and we all know Bradley, so we all think well just you know, I picture myself moving into there, and I can, I can, you know, I, feel I can feel the same sense of. <laughs> <sighs> no, but I mean, you painted a lovely picture. Like, I mean, it could be quite lovely, like the idea, right? Like, move into a nice home and, and hang out with the, these lovely people. But what I mean, practically, what are the things that lead you? Obviously, you're talking about that being also a difficult journey at times. Uh, what would you say is, is difficult about that? Or can you help us understand the? the practical nature of that experience, of what does it look like to be vulnerable. vulnerable? Yeah, well, what does that mean, like? Oh, of being vulnerable? Well, yeah, like living with them in vulnerability, what does that actually, oh, how, what is that, how does that play out, like?
0: Um, lots of open, real chats. Um, yeah, like, the, the dinner table for us is a real time of connection, um, yeah, but, yeah. Like you're asking practically. Yeah, that's good.
1: I like that. Yeah, well, that's good.
0: I'm trying to connect with your question. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
0: but practically, how that's difficult? Is that what you're
1: asking? No, I I just think practically, how does vulnerability play out? Like, how right. do we how do we? I mean, I want I would like to hear your experience because I think we all live in environments where we have family and people around yeah. us. So we're doing life together in some ways. What does vulnerability look like? Like, how does that play out?
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's a two-way street, like me, my experience of vulnerability in this home um, is welcomed because Brad and Lulu too share that with me, like, you know, when I come home from work and I've had a hard day, it's like, rather than just smiling and pushing through it and expecting that, you know, it's just all okay. That lasted
1: for how long, like... a a month or a week or so yeah
0: (laughs) you come home oh I'm fine I'm good yeah everything's great and it's like so how was your day (laughs) um yeah yeah, but I yeah it's a two-way street and and it requires me being aware of myself and responsible for how I'm feeling like I walk into a room and because I'm a highly sensitive person, it's like, okay, so this is what I'm feeling. I've learned more in the last few months. Connecting with how I feel is actually going to help others connect with me, and understanding where others are at actually creates a real safe environment for us to do life together in. So it looks like being aware of myself and where I'm at, and also trusting that somebody else is going to communicate where they're at, and not expecting that I need to fix your problems. Right. Like, I trust that you're going to right go to God with those mm.
1: and
0: yeah mm. I think that answers yeah that's question.
1: neat yeah no for sure so what would you say for you will will be different now having had this experience or is that is that a good leading question I know you've done some thinking about this so I'm I'm trying to lead you into where you you were you've already considered but we, we've had some chats together so but is that helpful? Like, What kinds of things are you taking away? What kinds of things will you leave with? Or or what have you gained a value for that, yeah. that won't ever leave? I mean, there are, there are some things that you've gained a value for that will be a Hannah and the Olsons mm-hmm. experience, right? Because it's unique to whatever this season was and whatever this is, but what are some of the things that um, you would encourage the people around you and w- or the things that you want to be or, or l- leave with yeah, as you go? Yeah,
0: good question. Um, I think just more of what I've said, like there's a real safety that comes in um, being honest and open and vulnerable with one another. And so that's something that i have of great value that I've gained in this season that I want to carry on in my experiences. And it's interesting because I had this real fear of like, well, if I'm not living with Brad and Lulu, I'm going to lose all the wonderful things that I've discovered in this season. And it's just not the truth like this last week i've been um, staying at mum and dad's by myself and i've i feel like my experience this week and my connection with god has been such a like an encouragement because i'm standing on the foundation of my time that i've experienced living with brad and lulu and i didn't lose who i was in fact i you know Flourished in who God's made me to be and I loved spending time with him and there was a real desire for that this week and there was a real passion to act like myself and be who I was and, you know, like all these things and I was really scared of losing that in moving out whenever that happens. I mean, they might be stuck with me forever and ever. <laughs> I have offered to be the old pair forever. Okay. But, um, yeah, so something of value that I would love to carry out in the homes that I live in and the spaces and places that I get to do life with other people is that I want to be a really safe person because in having safe people in my world it's given me the freedom to embrace more fully who I am and discover more fully who I am so awesome I want that for others
1: that's a good thought yeah it's cool yeah I hear you saying that um yeah. Life together and this kind of, um, family experience, you know, is, is, is on trust is based on trust. And, and I love how that trust isn't just like, I trust that you'll figure, you know, you'll be able to see me. It's more that, um, I trust that you in your ability to reach to the Lord and to get what you need. Yeah. And I trust in his ability to lead me to be what I need you to be, what I need to be in this moment for you. But, um, I love that that trust, you know, is centered back on the Lord. And I know that that's the environment they've created for you. And yeah, I'm just, I'm encouraged by that. Um, by your story and by the things that you, um, you guys have walked out together and I just encourage you like, just, just, just ask, Just ask Brad, Lila, or Hannah. They all have some perspective on the journey of life together. I think it's such a valuable... um, um. There's pieces in there that are just so rich and valuable. I know when Brad and I share about them, they just it's such an encouragement to um to me to that um there would be a uh, this picture of vulnerability and it really leads me to want to be that for people and also to create that in my own home for my own kids and for the people around me. So I think it's beautiful. Did you have any other thoughts or things you've been thinking about? Any other major themes? Um, I didn't want to cut you.
0: Plenty, I'm sure. I'm but sure. No, um, yeah, like you touched on it before, but this, it does paint a very beautiful picture. And it is that like, I've loved my time living with Brad and Lulu, but living with people and doing community can be really messy and challenging at times too. And so the greatest gift to me has been that my intimacy with Jesus has grown in this season and that I can come to him with anything and everything and trust that he's going to show me my part in this And he's going to help me communicate with others where I'm at and what I feel. And, yeah, and that's a journey. But it's not always fairy tales and rainbows. But it also is that too. Like, and that's just all part of life. And, yeah, that's part of doing life in community and with others is that, you know, there are challenging parts of it. But there are really sometimes my most challenging moments have actually been the most joyful experiences and are stories that I get to tell other people and their are moments where I can think of and reflect on and go I was really glad to be with these people mm. in these really hard moments mm. and I was really glad to have these experiences even though they felt hard even though they felt hurtful even though it stretched me as a person because ultimately they're experiences that are the making of me and yeah. it, it makes it's a really safe place to practice challenging encounters in relationship and come out on the other side still loving one another and loving sharing life together Mm. so
1: yeah yeah oh so so appreciate it yeah thanks thanks for sharing that yeah yeah cool well i appreciate the stories and again i i um yeah i would encourage you to grill hannah and, and lila and brad on the on the to to glean some more yeah of the depths of that oh yes afterwards afterwards yes all right yeah i think we're going to let the kids go because um i know this was this was tough
2: Yeah. Well, thanks, Hannah. It's good to hear. It's good to get a bit of a home update at church. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess, on a, I guess on a personal note, like we've just really loved sharing life with you, Hannah. And we are sharing life. I mean, Curse is talking about it ends and things like that and I'm like whoa is, is Hannah been talking to Curtis about things we haven't heard about but no. I'm just checking in you, mean, said you said it through like three times there I don't know I if go. you're I don't know if you're prophesying or what but anyway we'll take it when the time is right we want great things for Hannah but yeah I think you know Leela and I over that nine months have been in a massive season of change becoming parents and um you know, finding out what it is to have what we need again. Like, it's like big seasons of transition or hard seasons to share life because when you're stable and you know what you need and you've got it, then you've got something really great to offer to the people around you. And we just, we feel like we've had fumes to offer to so many things around us because we're just trying to catch up. And Ella is like this sponge of need that just, you know, thunders through and it's it's not optional. It's not optional to give Ella attention or not. and so. Yeah, we've, you know, uh, in some senses, it's a miracle that this has been a fruitful season for Hannah, and I'm just thankful that Jesus is her one thing, because we sure are not. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think one of the things Hannah was talking about is probably something we have a high value for is, you know, I suppose the neurological term for it is coherence, but what it means is what I'm saying and where I really am are, are lining up, and, and one of, the, one of the things that produces a sense of safety for people is when what I perceive when I synchronize with you and what you're saying are coherent, they're cohesive, together they are saying the same thing. So when I'm sad, and, and you know where, where I learned the term was in a parenting book that was talking about how we address Ella because we you, know, you just wouldn't think being sad towards Ella would ever be beneficial to her. But what they say is it creates a fear-based sense of anxiety for Ella when I feel sad, but I'm acting happy because she's synchronized with me and she feels confused because I feel your sadness, but you're acting happy. And it caused me to think a lot about, you know, being a safe person isn't about always being happy or always being up or always being okay or always having something wonderful to offer. Being a safe person is actually just about being honest and vulnerable and being coherent with where I am and being OK with that and not expecting everybody around me to fix it or resolve it or blame for it or do something about it. Taking responsibility and being real with where I'm at and letting that be OK and being coherent in that. So when I come home and I'm sad, I don't say to Hannah, I've had a great day. I say, I'm a bit sad. I'm a bit down. I'm having a tough day. I'm pretty tired. And you know, over the last six months, she's probably had a lot more of that than she has Hey, do you want to go do something awesome and fun? Because I feel really up and awesome. And I mean, we're a bit melancholy people anyway, but it's, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's a wonderful thing to share life with people who accept you wherever you are. And, you know, I think that's a desirable space to be and to do life. And, you know, Leela came up to me yesterday. Ella went down for a nap. I was sitting out on the deck. I was supposed to be putting some thoughts together for today. I was scrolling Facebook, and she goes, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm looking at Facebook. Mm -hmm. And she's like, can I talk to you for a minute? And she sat down beside me, and she said, uh, she said, I think we're really getting taken out by the negative at the moment in our life. She's like, it's just like on a fire hose in our thinking. And she's like, I just feel it. Like she said, I had a shower this morning while you and Ella were out getting groceries. And she's like, it took me 10 minutes to stop the force of negative thoughts, just and she's like, it's nothing, but it's anything. And she was sitting down to address this and she's going, I think you're there too, Brad. Like, I think we're amplifying this for each other and ministering negativity to one another in our own mindsets. And as I stopped and I thought about it, you know, and you could think, oh gosh, that's a really hard conversation and just leave the guy alone and let him scroll Facebook and look out at the, the sun. but you know, because it gave me such permission to be where I was, it helped me start to see things that I was experiencing and things that I was feeling and things that I'd been fighting for. And Leela and I tend to fight at different times for something. And that can be difficult because it's like, oh, I'm going to take some, take some ground in a positive thinking. And then you come home to the ministry of negative thoughts and it's like, because we affect each other. But what I know is when Leela and I step into something together, that's a pretty unstoppable force. And so it got lighter as our conversation went on and it got more life-giving and it was like yeah there's something we can do about this and we're not stuck and actually this isn't even a thing this is stuff that is nothing things you know and it's like what does it look like to re-emphasize what we're amplifying and yeah I think I think you know we have an opportunity uh as we do life together and as our lives affect each other you know that feels like a really threatening thing sometimes oh but you know Whatever Curtis does, you know, man, that's going to affect me. I think we can get really caught in the scary side of things. And even with Hannah moving into our house, like there were thoughts of that for Leela and I, like, oh, this is vulnerable and our life is exposed and there is nowhere to hide from Hannah because our home is, you know, exposed in every sense. And oh, what's that going to mean? And how's that... You know, and I think all these things ask of us a greater maturity and a greater security. And, you know, I think the kingdom of God is made for people who would join their lives one to another, whatever that looks like, you know, if that's business, if that's friendship, if that's. Uh, ventures if that's uh, living situations if that's just coming together to worship if that's you know being involved in work god calls us to that takes us out into spaces and places whatever it might be you know i think the kingdom of god is made up of those who would join their lives one to another for the sake of being the body of christ being the hands and feet the arms and legs the heartbeat the lungs of jesus on earth and i think that's our greatest challenge that we would be those who could join our lives to one another that Jesus Christ could be present. Yeah, yeah? and I am uh, in no way uh, a resolved practitioner, but a, a student desiring Jesus to help me mature and be. And I'm so challenged, even in this very week uh, by a whole host of things that have been shared with me from a few angles that have me asking questions around my own perspective. And so I'm just grateful and it's a little bit of what we'll talk about this morning, but before we, I'm not quite sure where to jump in here. Cause I'm sort of halfway onto a truth thought, maybe I'll do that. And then we'll, and then I'll loop back around. We got our church. Yeah. We did the national church life survey a few weeks ago. Thanks for doing that. And, uh, we got our results back. And there's some really encouraging and interesting things so i want to share some of that together but um i had a i had a true thought to share this morning that i thought we could just chew on for a minute um and really it 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 sort of it sort of hinges around this idea of I, i mean i don't know if you've ever had this thought before but have you ever had concern that like you're gonna miss god's plan a has that ever been a concern for you? Is that a thought you've had? Like, God's got a plan and I don't want to miss it. You know, I mean that, you know, for me in my life, that, that has been a, a thought I've had on a lot of occasions. And, you know, as I started to, as I started to reflect on this recently, I was thinking like, there is just absolutely no possibility that I'm living God's plan A. There is just no possibility chance that's the case this is this is there is no way that i'm living god's plan a for my life and maybe this is the result of a 40-year-old reflection on life or maybe this is a humility that's been needed for a long time but i think we live for the god of a multitude of plan b's not a god of plan a you know, and I, I just, uh, just gonna think about this for a minute because I know it sounds like sacrilege or like giving up, or you know, maybe, maybe like a, maybe dangerous theology. Maybe it sounds like that. I don't know, but, but I think it's real. Just if we can sit in that idea for a minute, it's not like does it sound nice or does it expect things? You know, like sometimes religion is a tool that, that is is wielded as a, a thumper that expects you to get it right. Uh, but I just don't find that with God, you know. I don't find that in my experience of Him that He's got a demand that I get it right. In fact, I think, I think the story of our gospel is more about a a, a mankind who desperately got it wrong, over and over and over and over and over and over again, and a God who didn't give up, but kept finding new ways to redeem his people and to restore his purpose and to keep his heart at the center of the story. I, don't, I think we're so far off of God's plan A that to imagine that I'm living God's plan A for my life is a pride that I can't bear. I can't bear that. But what, what if I can accept that I'm living for a God of a multitude of plan Bs who, who never gives up on me and getting good things into my life and into my story and bringing my life into alignment with his kingdom more and more and more it doesn't matter if i missed turns along the way he's not given up he's not stopped trying and when you know i think you know can we can we throw it out there for a minute let's let's be biblical what are god's plan b stories that we can think of the people of god missed plan a and god went to plan b can can you think of some like throw them at me just what comes to mind adam and eve Eve, let's start at the beginning start at the beginning yeah god didn't go all right i'll smite you well you got to that later (laughs) you know wipe them anyway we we, that's now i'm I'm doing your homework for you but yes adam and eve good one Moses moses and the israelites Yeah, what what tell me what's plan B in that? The yeah, extra yeah, the the I mean, I mean, there's kind of like six or eight in there in some ways, like, I mean, maybe 10 or 12 in, in the Moses and the Israelites story, it's like just again and again and again and again and again in the wilderness, the Israelites got it wrong and God made a new way, you know, the Israelites kept demanding things and they wouldn't trust God. And then God kept intervening, you know, uh, they complained about this and that, and then God would intervene and intervene and intervene. Yeah. And then ultimately culminating in the invitation into the promised land and, you you know, the next generation got it. They went to plan B. It was like, yeah, we need to go back into the wilderness to grow a faith in the people of God, that they would trust God enough to take hold of the promise. You know, that's really what that was. Cause they went and they stood on the edge of the very thing that God had for them. And they said, nah, it's too scary. And God went, well, we'll go and we'll grow faith in the next generation to take hold of that promise plan B. Yeah. Great. Great example. What else? Peter denying Jesus. Peter denying Jesus. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Peter said, I didn't even know him. But this is the rock that he's going to build the church on. Yeah, sure. It's good. kingdom, You know, I mean, we are going to get into serious biblical studies here, but it's like the, yeah, the, the God did not want for a king for his people, but his people demanded a king back in the Old Testament because all the other nations had a king. And so we want a king. And how can God be our king? We want someone to rule over us and tell us what to do. And it's like, God gave it to them. It was never his plan. It was never his desire, but it fits. So it's, it's just part of the story. Yeah. Were there costs and consequences for that? For sure there were, but But did it play into the story of God and did he work it in? Yeah, for sure. What else? Paul? Where's, where, which bit? Right. So Paul's life story, like he had a passion and he had a purpose and it was to persecute Christians and he was not living God's plan A for his destiny in his life, but God rescued him and said, Hey, yep, I want this. Yeah. That's good. Someone else I heard another one? Jonah. Great one. Yeah. 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 Some of that's God's persistence to hold to his plan. You know, it's like the determination of God. You know, some sometimes we can take too much responsibility in our need to make happen the plans of God. You know, and kind of both of those stories are pictures of a powerful God who, you know, kind of kind of like the Proverbs. 1921 verse that says you know many are the plans in a man's heart but the lord's purpose will stand you know and i think sometimes i can put so much on my own need to have the plan in the mind of of christ and accomplish it and he's saying well you're gonna have a ton of plans jonah had some big plans but the purpose of god for his life stood you know and it's like paul had some big plans in his mind But the purpose of god for the life of paul stood in the end you know this is a powerful god who can accomplish great things and you know we talk about the fact here that you know we treat god like he gets his way but the truth is he gives us his our way you know that's love love doesn't demand its own way but there are times where god gets pretty determined That there's something he's got for you and he wants to see it happen and i don't want to limit that place of god in my life either you know come on swallow me up by a fish if that's what's necessary you know it's uh and what permission did jonah and paul give god in the process that let him accomplish what he did all right what else there's a few more jacob Jacob, talk me through it Uh, joseph 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 cool but was a j we're on it yes yes he yes he rose up in a pride that said you know he misinterpreted some of the plans and purposes of god and they fell on bad soil and it came home to roost yeah, like, going to Egypt, so house, to live it's a great plan b story sure yeah ultimately You know, God drifted the course back around to the plan and the purpose he had and he accomplished it and achieved it and attained it. Yeah, that's a great one. Any others? Yeah. That God had said, sacrifice your son. Yeah. Yeah. And then made another way. I like that one. Another one over here. Lazarus. Yeah. Yeah. What about Jesus? Jesus. It's kind of the ultimate plan b right i mean jesus wouldn't have been necessary if it wasn't for the garden do you know i mean it's hard right because you know did god see it all yeah i think he did what about the flood you know i don't know if it was this plan a to it says he got upset because of what the people had become and what the world had become and so he gave it a reset like noah and his family yeah yeah, yeah. Is that a plan B? I mean, God just keeps trying to work his heart for his people through in this story, doesn't he? You know, and it's almost like, is it safe to say it's a plan B? You know, I mean, when we start calling Jesus plan B, you know, we, we get into some debates around that, uh, you know, because well, didn't God see and wasn't this always the plan and wasn't always this, this, the story? And well, well, if that's the case, then God factored in my failure before time began right? If Jesus was always the plan, and that's just God's plan A, then his plan was never that I would get it right. So either Jesus is a big plan B, or God planned for my failure. And either way, I can stop trying to get plan A. And I can relax into a relationship that goes there's room for you to get it wrong. There's room for you to miss it. There's room for you to say no. There's room for it to be too much. And that still fit into God's story. Because I think sometimes we can look at each other's lives or we can look at our own life. Both. Both happen. And we can go, if you don't get it right, what's it going to mean? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you feel that for people around you sometimes. It's like, oh, man, I don't think you're choosing the God thing right now. That's not God's plan A for your life. That's not God's plan A for your story. And it's like, we can start trying to push people towards things that, but it's like, maybe that's just unnecessary. You know, I mean, I mean, let's take a look at verse. Uh, Without dragging this out. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. You're going to know this passage predominantly. We will know this passage. But it says, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His plan and purpose. I mean, it's a bit hard to to truly believe that's the case. Do Do you think? All things can serve good in the hands of our God, even my failings, even my missteps, even my mess- ups, even my refusal of his plan A Do, is that are we taking it too far? Is it maybe most things or you know you know what is useful in the hands of my God to accomplish His purpose in the life of those who are called? what is useful to him what does he need from me what can he work with what are the bricks that he builds with what are the things that help him you know i think we put ourselves under a lot of pressure to get it right and do it right and make it right and accomplish it and get this plan sorted and make sure we've got it and it's like maybe we maybe we need to take a deep breath and i know i know this can feel dangerous i know this can feel like but what are people going to do with that permission if you actually believe that God's going to use all things for good, well, what what where does that stop? Where are the boundaries of that? You know, and I I think, you know, if if we continue to focus on religion, we're going to continue to firm up those boundaries and make them clear and say most things are for good, but not that. God can't use that. That won't be good. You know, but I think I think we have scriptural examples for this too in 1 Peter 2:16. Paul says, live as free people. I think what we're talking about this morning is living free in the plan of God. Living free in the plan of God. And and, and he says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or a pretext for evil, but just use it and live as bondservants of God. You know, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure God wants it if it isn't coming free. You know, if, if the effort that I'm living under is because I don't believe all things are useful to God and because I believe actually it's on me to create good things that God can use. Because the, the passage in Romans is basically saying all things can work together for good. When, when, when you put God in control and you put the things in his hands, when you put your failings and your missteps and your, when you put that in his hands, he'll build with it, he'll use it, he'll turn that for good. He can use all that for good in your story. And you look back on the story and you go, isn't that who God is? Isn't this the God of the plan B? Isn't this the God who goes, your failings are useful to me. I'll write it into the story and I'll make it powerful and I'll use it. Haven't we just covered some of that? So why don't we live in the reality of that today? And why is that too scary for us to accept? That actually this God is so good that even my missteps can be useful to him building out the thing that he's going to need to build out when I'm living with a heart that says I'm free, but I'm not trying to cover up. I'm not trying to use this freedom. Like are we people who desire to use our freedom in God to do whatever we want? No, we want him to have our lives somewhere within us is a desire that these lives would serve god and his story and the things that are taking place and if we believe that and go in your freedom just just use it to serve that to the best of your ability but don't worry about getting it all right because in in this place of god would you take my life and would you would you have it he's gonna build with all the good stuff and all the bad stuff i mean i sort of played this story out and you know when we start to enter into these draw these lines that are a little bit false of what's useful or not useful to God. We start to count some things in and some things out. And I mean, God said to me, and I've shared this before and I'll I'll share it again, because it's inherent within the scriptures that we're talking about today. Um, You know, God said to me, Brad, it's not so much about whether something's true or untrue. You know, because people were saying a lot of things at this point in time, and it was like, it doesn't matter if it's true or untrue, just put it in my hands and I'll build with it. And then he started to talk to me about this he said brad you know the enemy loves to use true things it's not like truth in and of itself has the power to accomplish the plans of god because truth ends up in the hands of the enemy and he uses truth for destruction but then the converse is true you put untrue things in the hands of god and he'll use them to build his kingdom isn't that the story of jesus didn't all the people say untrue things about god about jesus well we just played straight into the plan right the accusations, the demand that it would be this man's life, the untrue things they were saying about him. God said, I took untrue things that the people said, and I built with it. I saved the world with the untrue things that people said about my son. It's like, well, okay. So your plan can include the untrue things that are said. Oh, for sure. That's useful to me. Well, and surely the true things are valuable too. Oh, of course put the true things in the hands of God and he's gonna he's gonna do great things with them in our lives I mean let's think about this practically you know where this line is you know like I I could take the conversation that Leela had with me she was bringing truth to the table we're too focused on the negative in our daily life right now she brought that to the table okay you put that in the hands of the enemy and what's he gonna do with that true thing Lila's going to come making an accusation. She's going to come and blame me. There's going to be no compassion. There's going to be no love. She's going to be telling me I'm the problem. She's going to be saying, you know, you're hauling our family down into the dumps because of all this negative thinking. And the truth of the matter is she's got a true thing that she passed into the hands of the enemy. And now we're ministering death and darkness into our family from a true place, right? Okay. So then you take that true thing, that same true thing, put it in the hands of Jesus. You come in a sense of love and you're fighting to pull us up out of a hole. You're standing in it together. It doesn't have all that on it. And it's like, wow, this is life giving. This is correcting. This is helping. Do You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes we get too focused on, have I got it right or have I got it wrong? Well, let it, let it go and go. Is it in God's hands? Whose hand is this in? Who's building here? Because true or untrue, good or evil, right or wrong, put it in the hands of God and he's that good, he'll build with it. It doesn't matter if you failed yesterday, put it in the hands of Jesus and he's gonna build it into the story. It doesn't matter if the person beside you is the that you're most committed to. It doesn't matter when Leela's going through a derelict season where she's not serving God and she doesn't listen to him and she doesn't care. It's like, yes, okay. My job isn't to fix that. My job is to keep putting that in the hands of God and believe that he's gonna build with it. It's like, you know, what a grace that comes when we recognize that we serve the God of plan B's over and over and over again. You know, and as a community of people who believe we hear the voice of God who leads us and who guides us and who directs us, we can come with so much fear to that. I've got to get it right. I've got to get it right, because it's on me to get it right. You know what, you're there, you're asking, you've already got a heart that God would have your life. Now, can I just be honest? You're gonna mess it up. You're gonna mess that up. You're gonna hear your own heart. You're gonna do what you want. You're not gonna get it 100% right. I am so far off of God's plan A in listening to Him. It's, it's It's just no way. There is no way. There is no human who is perfectly listening to the perspective of God and living it out. It's not happening. But man, to the best of our abilities, are we bringing our life before Him, even that you're there asking Him? Isn't, isn't that a start? You know, let's put it in his hands. Let him, you know, it didn't go the way I thought. It didn't play out how I thought I got it wrong. Oh man, that must've been me. Put it in his hands. He'll build with it for the future. He'll grow your sense of him. Hey, somebody else is hearing something different than me. I don't know what to do with that. Put it in the hands of Jesus. He's gonna build with it. This isn't all about, have I got it all right? Did I get it all right? We got a God who's gonna work with our failings and our, our fallings and is gonna keep building that into our story. You know, and that's for me as an individual, that's for us as a a community, and that's for the people of God broadly. You know, do we believe it's true? I don't know, I think we need permission to go, God, you're bigger than my ability to stuff this up. And to the best of my ability, I wanna hear you, I wanna follow you, I wanna get it right, I don't wanna make mistakes, I need your wisdom, I need your help, but I'm also gonna come in humility and recognize I'm never capable of living your plan A. because I'd be the I'd be the first except for Jesus, you know, we got him, but, but that can't stop us reaching, right? Because we're going to use our freedom to let our lives be bond servants to God. So we're not going to give up. We're not just going to go Oh, It doesn't matter. Then we're not going to use our freedom just to be careless. And no, we're going to use our freedom to lean our lives into a God who can take it all and build for good with even my faults and failings and my missteps and my faithless response to his invitation. Even my faithless response to the invitation to God can be useful when I leave it in his hands and let him keep working in my life. I'm doing the best I can to follow after God. And I don't know that He's asking more of me than that. And I think he factored in my failure to his story. And it's why I need Jesus. Because I will not accomplish my salvation on my strength to get it right and live God's plan A. That's why Jesus came. That's why I need him because he is righteousness and I'm not. And I think when I start to accept the reality of that, I've already got his plan A, that he'd come, he'd save me, he'd restore me, he'd renew me. And he'd give me this life that I could grow in a relationship with him and explore its reality imperfectly. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's break there. Cause I feel like I could just, you know let's we'll, we'll, we'll let's chew into this a little bit together in groups of three or four and just go you know where does this sit for us or what do we think about it what's dangerous about it what's empowering about it how does this serve jesus place in our life or where does this give us permission to be where we are and to need what we need and we just jump into groups and chat about it i'll maybe jump on zoom and yeah yeah any thoughts on this is it How's it it sitting? How's this thought train sitting or this consideration? Yeah, it feels like it swims upstream a little bit, doesn't it? Maybe with what we focus on or what we think about or what we hear most about or, yeah, it feels like, yeah. I I think it feels um,
1: dangerous, um, but terribly freeing when you consider it I like I like it because it's I, I think there is a tension I think you highlighted it around um you know God's plan a either either he's working out his plan a and he just accounting for our failures or we call it a plan B it's a bit semantics it doesn't really matter what's freeing about it is that he builds with things that are broken and he builds with me and and for me one of the reflections is just that like I can see in the way that I require this of other people or my family, in the yeah. reflection from my wife, let's just yeah. say that's a poignant example, Yeah. Um, whether this still exists in me, because I call her to act in a certain way or demand that she <laughs> live a certain way. Um, yeah. And, um, and so you should, right? Right. And then I live under that same judgment. Like, I now I have to get it right as well. And so when I don't, then I live under the same judgment that I put on I don't under. know about the
2: second bit, but I don't mind the first bit. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: and that's the, I yeah. mean, I guess... Judge lest you be judged. not unless you be, judge, judge unless I you be judged. So. I suppose that's where that comes from is like I live under that same judgment. So to, to remove that to say God yeah. builds with messy things and I trust you. It's almost the Hannah conversation, but it's, I trust you. You you trust me to get it from him who is most trustworthy. Yeah. Um yeah. then that's a terribly freeing environment to be in and one that yeah. For some reason is landing yeah beautifully today, Brad. You did a great job. Everybody
2: gets the chance to choose the teacher of all things, right? You know, he said, no one needs anyone. You got the spirit to teach you all things. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, Jesus had a real penchant for saying things in an extreme to make a powerful point. And it's not that we don't need anyone else, but it's like, well, what would it be to trust that everyone does have the teacher? And if we're not choosing the teacher, I don't need somebody else to jam him down my throat. I've got him and it's it's mine. You know, the story that challenges me most in this, when I think about it on the home front, I was sharing it with Greg and Lisa, and and you can road test it in your own thinking and draw your own conclusions around it, but is the story of the prodigal son. Right. You know, we all love the end of the story, but when <laughs> I think about being a father to a child and releasing an inheritance to a road that surely the dad knew led nowhere. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, it's how God is with us, and something about freedom ministers more powerfully than control. But man, it's hard to partner with it. you know, because when I think about that, am I going to be a dad who stands there, holds the inheritance of my child in in my hands, and they're demanding it, and know that you're going to go and waste this, you're going to blow this, and it's not going to be this is a dead-end road, and you're going to come to the end of something. Will I empower that freedom? With what's mine and will i give it so that they can go and find their own road and trust that god will build with whatever they discover at the end of that road and you know you look at how that story ends and you go you know that's a great plan b story because what's released in identity and the powerful picture of returning and and the disposition of the father not to say i told you so and now you can earn it back or now you can prove it but just to go i was gonna let you come back to who you always were I'm just grateful you're here. I mean, that's who our God is to us. Now, what does it look like to partner with that and be that for one another or be that in my own family? That's terrifying. That's terrifying. I find it really, really difficult to let people walk down roads that I'm judging as not good roads. And I'm half the time, maybe not even half the time, wrong about those roads anyway. You know who am I to decide? I can, I've got enough trouble deciding for my own life. Who am I to decide for your life? Please don't ask me to decide for your life because I'm destroying my own and successfully. So, no, not it's. But you know what I mean. Like, what does it look like to give each other freedom and trust that God's going to bring good things about in our stories, and He can work with, you know, the biggest bits anyway. Enough to do a repreach, but I feel like that story really yeah, yeah. sits in this pocket. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this? Is that came out of groups that we just want to chuck out there. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, at one point, our group were talking about, you know, just sometimes like how we're talking this morning about, you know, plan B and how freeing it is sometimes to spend less time. Focusing like on you know have we missed have we missed what God has for us and the plan B but actually look to um, as we're speaking about the promises of God and so when we take our eyes off our shortcomings and we look to Jesus you know we actually it's really freeing because you know it's actually saying well Jesus we trust you we trust you with our shortcomings and when we look to God it's almost actually in giving Him permission to come into our story to come meet Him. Um, let him meet us where we are out and i love that about our god you know he um invites us to change but he always meets us where we are out and so when mm-hmm. we make it less about ourselves by looking to us and we acknowledge that he is all knowing he is all powerful and we give him that authority and we invite him into our lives so i feel like, i feel like that's where the narrative changes where yeah. we focus less on you know have we have we met um you know what god has for us or yeah. you know are we on plan b are we on plan a and we focus about you know um like making it more simple and you know actually holding on steadfast to those promises that God has for us like He is faithful to deliver, He speaks a word, you know that word is final even if we can't see it in our lives right now or in our story right now you know that will always come to fruition um, Mm -hmm. in God's perfect timing and I love that in that way we can trust Him and trust that He is a good Father and give Him that authority over our life over our lives and i love that he's a gentleman like he waits to be invited Mm -hmm. in and um yeah we're just talking about how humbling it is you know to actually um you know um yeah be able to you know um look at our own lives and see our desperate need for jesus and we were briefly touching on that's why we have the holy spirit he is our helper and he is our counselor you know we weren't designed to do life on our own and you know we're designed to do life in community and and with him so you know what does that look like in yeah our small choices and how do we make room for god even if we feel like sometimes we've missed the mark we were saying you know god will always bring you know beauty from from ashes you know he will always bring good to our stories. so if we feel like we've gone off the mark like we were saying you know, like sometimes you know things i've walked through in my life i'm just like oh you know i've contributed to those decisions and i'm like oh wow i've really gone off the mark here and this is you know i'm not living god's you know plan a and things like that and then sometimes you're you know you walk through that season it's a hard season then you come to a different season and you're like oh wow you know what i've just walked through someone else beside me is you know walking through something similar and what i've learned through this and the foundation that god's helped me to build is actually to you know, not only build a deeper trust in God, but to encourage others. Yeah. You know, in that in that journey. And yeah. so I love that. It's so humbling because, mm. you know, in that moment we realise it's actually not about us. Mm. You know, it's all, all about Jesus and um great yeah, his power.
2: Yeah, great thoughts. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think I think those are true true reflections. Yeah. And I think you know, when we when we put all the pressure on this plan B, we come to God in fear that he's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. Mm. This is not how he rolls. Mm. You know, God is trying to get life to us and he's inviting us to trust him to know better for our lives, what brings life to life. And when when we're not in a position to trust him in those things, he doesn't give up, he keeps working life toward us. Mm. And yeah, we need not come fear fearing that God's going to demand something of me. I don't want to give. He's going to continue to invite me towards a life-giving path that requires trusting him. And that's our life journey. And he won't stop. He won't stop. He'll keep ministering paths and open doors towards the life-giving things. And that's my experience. I mean, I had a moment where, you know, I was I was talking to my brother. Um, he was in a transition season and you know, one of the options was to come and move over here and things like that. And I can remember really feeling like that's what he should do. He should move over here. That's what he should do. He should move over here. And, you know, my brother chose not to, obviously. And, uh, you know, I was really feeling like he was choosing the wrong road and going to miss something great, and blah, blah, blah. And I can say it here because I said it to him. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm not proud of the pressure I would have put my brother on in that moment, which I've gone back to him and said, you know, I really trust you to decide for your life. And I'm really sorry that I've put you under pressure. But I came to that because I went to God about it after I had my little (laughs) to him about what he should be doing. God said to me, Brad, it doesn't matter. I said, what do you mean it doesn't matter? He said, would you like me to show you the highlights real of the times that you've said no to me? Even if this is me. Would you like me to show you the highlights real of the moments where you've said no? And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that and I'm sorry that I thought I was better than that because I'm not you know I'm not there are things I'm saying no to God in even still today knowingly or unknowingly you know and so yeah anyway I think it is a humbling truth I think it's that for me for sure but it's it's no less a passionate pursuit you know like let's not let's not sow this into complacency or uh I don't know, choose another word that, you know, suggests we give up. You know, let's not give up. Let's let this, let's use our freedom to allow our lives to become bond servants to the life of Christ. Let's continue to allow freedom to serve that, not to serve complacency or not to serve. Uh, it's too hard. So we might as well give up anyway. It's like, no, it's not too hard. It's actually God's going to persist and insist. And, and it's uh, it's easier than what you thought and harder than what you could have ever imagined all at the same time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I just been praying to this truth and then talk about some of the church life stuff for two minutes and then we'll worship. But Father, we just thank you for who you are and that you continue to surprise us as you uncover your character and your nature. And we want to see you clearly. That's what we want. We don't want to partner with pictures that religion has formed. We don't want to partner with our own expectations of ourselves that ask more of us than what you are. We want to see what you've done and we want to honor you and say, God, just that you are the all things were good. God seems too good to be true, but we just want to testify this morning that we believe it. We believe that there's nothing in our stories that you can't use for good when we put it in your hands. We believe that... You're a God who factored our failures into the story and have compensated for that. Would you come and take these lives? Would you grow maturity in us? Would you raise up a a desire within us that our lives would be bondservants to you, that these lives would serve your purpose and your outcomes? And we just thank you that you haven't asked us to be perfect in that, but we want to persist in seeking you. Yeah, Thank you that we have your voice and that we don't have to hear it perfectly to build a life upon it. But that, God, we do desire to hear you clearly, to follow after your footsteps, to do the things that you have designed and desired for us. We need your wisdom. We just thank you that there's a freedom in saying my my reception of you doesn't come in my perfection. This just comes in my persistence of coming to you. And so, Father, we just pray for our family that there just be a freedom. To continue to walk the paths that you've made for us. And would you take every path we're on, every piece of the puzzle that we're in, and would you, as we put it in your hands, build a good thing for the families that are represented here, for the lives that are being lived for you. And we just thank you for your goodness. Pride in your name. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, continuing on the encouragement train, because I feel encouraged this morning. I feel encourage i hopefully you do too uh you know we took some time to answer some questions together and yeah i really anticipated these results you know from the survey that we took and the answers we had about church about life about how we're doing and how we're growing and yeah I was you know whether whether the results were you know uh positive or clarifying i think either way they were going to be positive and so some things have come back to us uh from that um I thought I'd just share a few of them with you. No, I'll just hold it. I'm okay. I think so. We'll see. I think so. Uh, Yeah, I'll be all right. Um, I mean, we're not going to look at it all, and it's not because I'm hiding anything from you, but it's just because there's a lot of data that came back to us. But, you know, there's the snapshot they give you on the first screen. People of this church value the sermons, preaching, Bible teaching, small groups, discussion groups, practical care for one another in times of need and ministry to youth and children what the what we want to give attention to that's what people said they're hoping for um to continue into the future and things to focus on so spiritual growth building a sense of community encouraging people here to discover and use their gifts and worship services that are nurturing there's no surprises there hey that's who we are these are the things we value um As you keep rolling down, it tells us who we are. We're 50% men. We're 50% women. That's all pretty exciting. (laughs) Tells us our ages, and how many people are married, and how many people aren't, and we sort of know that. It says 100% are frequent attenders, which they judge as monthly or more. So there you go. 100% of us attend at least once a month. Why are you laughing, Ben? (laughs) Why are you laughing? 90% of you don't go anywhere else value most that's we got the summary on that future priorities we got the summary on that how people to really relate to God this is kind of interesting you know these statements down here 100 percent of our church agree that their faith influences decisions and actions in daily life and 100 percent of our church agrees that my faith in God is an important part of who I am I think that's pretty powerful isn't it you know I think that's a wow that's pretty cool you know I'm really proud of that I think you know when I when I think about that's how we would define ourselves and that's how we would all respond. I think yeah, you know, that's that's a big part of who we are and I'm 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 proud of us in that. It says uh 50% of us pray and read our bible. <laughs> it doesn't really say that. It says how often we do it. 50%, most days, bunch of us a few times a week, once a week occasionally, nobody said hardly ever or never. So that's pretty cool. We're engaged in our faith. 81% of people who hang out here said they've experienced, Sorry, right, this is over here, uh, experienced much growth in faith in the past 12 months. So that's pretty cool. We're growing. Yeah. Well, praise God for that. You know, I think that's a, I think that's a big deal. Um, yeah, we, we were mostly inspired and find this helpful and like the music and are challenged to take action. That's what those numbers mean, like kind of, you know 95 percent or higher in most of those categories. This one was pretty cool. how people relate to each other. 100 percent have a strong sense of belonging. 100 percent agree that this is an inclusive church of different kinds of people, and 100 percent people believe that this is a friendly place. I think we can be proud of that. You know, Well, you haven't been? Did you not take the test? You want to change your answers? <laughs> Ben's like, oh, if I knew there was going to be perfect scores, I would have fixed that up. I, can, I see you. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. You want to give some feedback to some of those? Look at you. We got the peanut gallery. I can see you bubbling over with it. Lay it on us. The good news is 19% of people want to be more involved, so we're going to find you. We're going to find you. We're hunting, we're hunting you down. Don't you worry. That's a thing for sure. And eighty-one percent of us are happy with our current level of involvement. So also good because, you know, there's also a category that says I want to be less involved. So we're either content or reaching for more. That's a cool thing. So thanks for that. That's a bit about giving. Don't worry about that. You know, I thought this was really interesting. You know, I think sometimes we can give ourselves a hard time about not doing anything. And you know, I think when we collect up the lives of the people who are represented here, there's a lot of good things happening. You know, this says, in the last 12 months, 56% of people have lent or gave money to someone outside of their family. 56% of people have cared for someone who was sick, helped someone through a personal crisis, given possessions to someone in need, donated money to a charitable organization, tried to stop someone abusing alcohol or drugs. A third of our church has done that. You know, these are good things that are fruits of living a life for Jesus and, you know, well, so we might not all do all the good that's done under our church banner. There's good happening through the lives of the people who are, who are here. hundred percent talk about matters of faith with members of their household. That's pretty cool. Nobody lives alone. There you go. 33, 3% of people feel that he's talking about faith with others and look for opportunities to do so. Yeah. Half of us invited someone to church in the last year. Mm, we think the environment, most of us think the environment's a Christian issue. Yeah, vision. 65% of people are both aware and strongly committed to the vision and goals of the church. 55% are confident that this church can achieve its vision, goals, or directions. I, well, I, I'm not sure which way I answered. <laughs> I was thinking about this question, I'm going, I'm free. I am might be a part of the 45% that aren't 100% confident, you know? but, uh, I think they're pretty good numbers anyway. And I think we need to continue to clarify who we are and where we're headed and what we're made for. And yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna keep doing that. 95% agree that this church is always ready to try something new. That's good. I think if you didn't like it, you probably wouldn't stick around. So (laughs) 80% agree um, that they'd support development of new initiatives, ministry and mission of this church. That's big buy-in. It's like, if you guys, you know, 80% of us are saying, hey, if, if we're getting out there and getting on with it, we're in. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Leadership culture, clear systems, easy to get involved. 65% of people perform a leadership or ministry role. That's true. We're just, you know, and I think 35% of people just didn't understand the question. Because <laughs> I see everybody pretty pretty actively involved. Uh we feel encouraged to use our gifts and we feel inspired to action. So, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged and, uh, it's not that there are, it's not that we don't have things to work on or things that we're going to continue to improve in, but yeah, thanks for your feedback. And, you know, it's good to be a part of something that's alive and growing and where we're, we're in a year, we're not going to be where we are today. And, uh, I think that's a hope filled place. You know that God's going to keep taking us on a journey so yeah thanks for being in family and providing feedback to the National Church Life Survey it's uh it's and and there are things in there um you know I didn't skip over negative bits it was a very positive report and you know so thank you for remaining positive about what we share in together and you know I think rest assured uh growth areas are always open to be considered and your thoughts and feelings on that always interested in so cool all right let's worship hey